Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Next 7 Days podcast series, where we break the season down into week-by-week segments, bringing on a new guest hunter every week that specializes in their time frame. We're starting off at September 14th and running to November 30th, covering every segment of the season, starting with early season into the October lull, into the rut and the secondary rut. So let's get ready Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and we're coming in extra hard in Brian's ear holes. Um, he gave me a hard time because I didn't know the podcast up like I had for the past three years in the last episode, um, so coming at you extra hard um, this week, Brian. Anyways, let's get into this show. Um, this week, we have Joe Miles on. We're talking October 5th through October 12th. This was the most challenging time for me to find a hunter um, in this time, in this series to cover these days of the year. These are very awkward days, in my opinion, unless you have some cold weather, which a lot of the Midwest is going to get this cold front coming up. So we talk a lot of, uh, in this episode, whether, you know, we don't have a cold front. Um, but if, if you guys are on a buck that's close and this cold front's coming in as cold as it's going to get, um, it would be a smart smart time to react to that cold front and go in there and try to get a kill here in, in October. I'm definitely going to be hunting mornings and evenings during this cold spell this weekend coming up um, after this podcast is released here on Wednesday. So I know a lot of people have been messaging me really excited about this cold front. So I know it's going to, a lot of bucks are going to get killed and a lot of bucks are going to get educated. Um, it is also the youth season here. So it's definitely going to be a unique time in the woods, a lot of pressure, and there's going to be a lot of big deer that get killed. Uh, but getting into this episode, like I said, we're covering the uh, October 5th through the 12th, and we did it kind of different in this one. Um, Joe Miles has been very successful in this time frame in the Midwest and South Carolina. So we cover both in this uh, episode. We cover South Carolina hunting, which is completely different down there. They're almost rutting at this time. Um, which is insane to me. Their rut is extremely long, drawn-out process. Um, and then we also cover Midwest. He travels to Kansas, Iowa. So we bounce back and forth between hunting kind of like a Kansas area and hunting 
South Carolina. Uh, but let's get into the people that make this possible. We're going to get in the show. Starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. If you guys don't follow Exodus um, on their socials, or they those guys create so much whitetail content, it's actually mind-blowing how much work they put in. Um, their YouTube is incredible. Their podcast is awesome. Um, I had the privilege of being on their, their guest this week. Um, the one before was Don Higgins, then me. Um, which I'm like, how can I, how can I come up behind that legend, you know, but, uh, very blessed to be on there, um, and, and chat with a good friend about whitetail hunting. Uh, got a lot of messages. I appreciate everybody that reached out after listening to the show, but anyways, um, their TikTok's awesome, their YouTube, their Instagram, um, everything that they have going on is incredible. And those guys put in a ton of work, not only in, you know, their YouTube and, and their brand, but also their cameras. They're building the best cameras on the market, best warranty, longest lasting, um, some of the best battery life use cameras I've ever had. And I want to touch on one thing here, the customer service. I had a Lift 2 that is right there on that five edge mark and uh, no questions asked getting another Lift 2 sent out, um, utilizing that five-year warranty on a camera. Um, I love Lift 2s on video mode, and it it, it crapped out on me after a little over four years, and uh, they held true, and they're sending me a new cam, so I cannot say enough about those Exodus boys. Um, second is Afflictor Broadheads. Uh, I know I said I was shooting the K2, but I had the plan of shooting some does, and I was like, man, I'm, I want to try this hybrid EXT, this inch-and-a-half uh, mechanical um, and I started shooting it and it was flying really, really good. And it, it's got a little bit more cut diameter. So I was like, ah, I'm going to run these. So, um, I'm running both. They're both in my quiver. They're both shooting true. Um, just fill point accurate. So I'm going to use the inch and a half first. I got three of those and then I'm going to go to the K2. So I'm going to put down some does and, uh, kind of whatever arrow I feel, feel like grabbing out of the quiver is what I'm going to be shooting. But it's a mix of, the Afflictor Hybrid and the Afflictor uh, K2. So a fixed and mechanical that are both flying fill point accurate. But I know I told it had a small glitch there in the audio. Luckily, I caught it before I released it. Anyways, I'm shooting the Hybrid EXT first. Then I'm going to switch to the K2. Um, next on the list is 330archery.com. If you're out there, you're just getting your bow out. You notice you need a new string. You need someone to get a fast turnaround. At 330archery.com will get you the fastest turnaround on a bowstring and get you out there in the whitetail woods. All right, guys, so let's get into this episode. All right, we got Joe Miles on tonight. How are you doing tonight, brother? Man, I'm doing well. I hope you are. I'm doing awesome. I'm doing great because i finally talking to you. I appreciate you kind of lining this up on short notice. Out of all the uh, weeks of the season, this was the hardest to find someone to cover and like I mentioned before, I had great respect for you and what you've done throughout the many years of creating content and killing bucks. Um, so I knew that you'd have some stuff to talk about October 5th through the 12th. Um, but just go ahead and give a brief introduction of who you are, and then we'll get right into the good stuff. Yeah, man. So uh, Joe Miles, uh, born and raised in South Carolina, live in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, Um you know, have basically been chasing the deer here since I was five years old. My dad was a was is a big whitetail hunter, and and you know he kind of got me started. 
uh then you know started hunting in the midwest some and kind of got addicted to y'all's uh big midwestern bucks and and so uh grew up really again hunting these swamps in south carolina and it's tough hunting here you know we have a, a season that comes in august 15th it goes to january 1st the rifle season starts then you can shoot five bucks a year uh pretty much unlimited does um you know you can bait you can run them with dogs it's it's, it's a tough place to, to bow hunt but it, it does you know in, in the same token it sharpens your skills and you know you're, you're forced to learn some woodsmanship and how to how to find mature bucks in environments like that so it, it's a bit of a a curse and a blessing in the same token and and I, I was able to you know kind of grow my passion of, of whitetail hunting into a business and and three years ago started ICO gear camouflage and you know, it's, it's grown every year and, and this year's it started out incredible and um, just really, really looking forward to that. And and then, you know, our season's already started. I've, I've uh, been fortunate this year. I've taken two bucks in South Carolina and then I took a really big mule deer up in Alberta about last week or, or about 10 days ago. So it's been a good, good start to the season. Yeah. Having a hell of a start to the season, but yeah, um, huge success for you and your, and your camo brand there. I remember, we had you on like right when you were starting it up um, back three years ago. It's the last time that we actually had you on and talked and we had you on um, and we covered just becoming a better, a better whitetail hunter. And that was right when you were launching that brand. Um, so it's awesome to, you know, see the start of it and then see how well you've done over the past few years. So uh, props to that, man. And thank you. Yeah, we're, we're really, you know, excited about it. I think it has really helped some guys, you know, and, and I know this isn't what we're here to talk about tonight, but, you know, we, we uh, just to real briefly, you know, we, we saw a gap between what the mountain hunting crowd was able to wear and, and what the whitetail guy had. And, and we just took that technology and put a really good camo pattern and, and are selling it customer direct. So it's a, you know, it's, it's a, it's a break on the pocketbook, but you still get some really good high quality gear and, and the camo pattern in, in, in our opinion. And a lot of guys opinion is, is kind of unmatched for us tree stand bow hunters. So yeah, we're, we're super pumped about it. Yeah. I love that, that post of the owl with the camo pattern behind it. And I'm like, man, that's, that's like right on the money, man. Cause <laughs> I know kind of, you told me the story, kind of the start of it. And that's how you thought up the camo pattern. Um, but yeah, like I see it all the time and I follow Instagram, you know, pretty heavily in the outdoor space since I have this and I see you on there all the time and I'm, I'm thinking, go Joe, go man. You're smashing man, it right now. So we're, we're working hard. That is for sure. We get started about four 30 in the morning and go until about 10 o'clock at night. So, you know, any business is, is tough and it's very competitive, but we love it and, and, and appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, I know that you're, you know, you're a South Carolina boy. Uh, you do travel to the Midwest some, so we're kind of we're kind of going to double dip. This is going to be for a little bit for the Midwestern guys, but we're going to hit an episode kind of for the the Southern guys here a little bit. So during that October fifth to October twelfth time frame, I'm um, starting off in South Carolina. What are the Bucks doing at this time of the year? Man, so so our pre rut will be will be wide open then. Um, you know, 
we, we're recording this obviously a few days before the fifth um, and our bucks are already I've got I've got lots of scrapes open I've got some four-year-olds that are daylighting some um, and and I'm actually going to be hunting again probably Friday and Saturday afternoon over some scrapes uh, because we're, we're getting a, a cold front in if you can believe it we're going to get down to 60 degrees in the morning and and it's only going to get up to 78 so <laughs> that's a, yeah what that's quite a cold front for us. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what's going on then. Um, and, and then, you know, where I hunt in on the Congaree river, you know, by the 15th, um, you know, 18th of October breeding will have already started. So the fifth through the 12th, if, if I wanted to equate it to something, it's kind of that, that last week of October in the Midwest. I mean, it, it, it can be really, really good then. That's crazy it, it, how different it, it is. It, it is weather dependent. Um, you know, if we get a real, you know, if it warms back up and gets back into the upper nineties, you know, obviously just like the, you know, if, if October in October, it gets up in the Midwest to the, to the nineties, you know, it can kind of shut things down or force it into the night. But if, if we have decent weather, man, it, it's rolling then. I went down there for vacation to the beach, you know, and that's the last thing you're thinking when you're driving through South Carolina is, is whitetails. Like, <laughs> but it's, uh, <laughs> Like like you're saying before we started, it's it's a different. You got a different timber down there. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, but it, it is it, it is tough, man, because it, you know it's big swamp, hardwood and pine and cut over. It just it, it go you know like it, it would if you just flipped Illinois over and, and and you put your funnels and, and woodlots called those fields and then all your ag fields were were timber that that's in swamp that's basically what we have crazy yeah so, so kicking back to the midwestern time that october 5th through the 12th like you said i know you've traveled a ton um this is probably one of the worst times to travel to the midwest in my opinion um but in your opinion what are the bucks doing in that time frame in the midwest yeah man so so my experience and and you know you you live in there you you have a real good finger on that pulse as well but but my my experience is that time of year you know obviously they've they've shed their velvet they've gotten out of their bachelor groups they've moved to kind of where they're gonna their, their winter rut rut range if you will but but man they're they're pretty much nocturnal and, and let's talk about you know mature bucks here you know the the five six seven year old bucks they're going to be super super nocturnal but but man i never leave any um stone unturned if the season is in like i've got a place in kansas uh that, that's got a really big deer you and i you know before we got started we're talking about you know some, some pretty impressive bucks and th this buck falls right in that category and you, you know i've got cameras right now where he's going to end up in the, the end of October, 1st of November. And, and they're kind of my rut spots, but I've got three or four cameras out on, on some, some ag and some, some areas that, you know, with some acorns and stuff that he could pop. And, and, and man, if he was to daylight, then I would definitely make a move on him. Um, you, you know, so I think that's, that's really for Midwest, I, I am absolutely not going to be hunting out there unless my cameras tell me something completely different than normal. But normally that time of year, man, I'm not going to burn anything out. I'm not going to hunt out there. I'm just staying out. No, as, as Don Higgins always says, no human intrusion whatsoever. Let everything relax. Um, but, but again, season's in, 
no stone left unturned. So I'm going to have some cameras out, you know, on, on traditional feed areas. And, and if he, if he does pop, you know, I, I absolutely will make a move on him. I, I agree too. It's kind of a, it's a hard time, but if you got something going, you got to act on it and, and risk that time period. But uh, going on to the next question here, going back to uh, South Carolina, what is your perfect setup um, during this week? Um, kind of the area, the wind, the temp, if you could pick the perfect day, perfect area to hunt, what would it be? Yep. It would, you know, so, so here uh, funnels are really hard to find. Um, but, but you find like d- ditch crossings, creek crossings, elbows in, in the river. So I, I would want a, um, sometimes some fence crossings. I would want a funnel, um, a, a tight pinch point like that that's leading from bedding to food, whether that be acorns, pawpaws, muscadines, or even food plots. Um, and I would like a lot of scrapes you know, on one side or the other of, of that pinch because they, they're going to be hitting those scrapes and, and that would just be a, a absolute perfect storm. And if I could get three to five mile an hour winds, consistent winds, and, and I could get five to 10 degrees cooler than normal, I, I, I wouldn't be able to sleep that night. <laughs> I would be ready <laughs> to go. <laughs> um, I'd never even heard of a pawpaw um, until I think it was TikTok. Someone was posted a video about them and they were picking them and eating them themselves. And uh, yeah. I was like, what is a pawpaw? And I watched the video, and I'm like, that just blew me away that I, I didn't even know that those existed. Yeah, and a lot of guys say that um, they're, they're toxic to deer and deer won't eat them, but I have wit- – actually, the buck I shot, I shot a big – most of your listeners are going to laugh at this. I shot a big six-point um, opening afternoon, and he was actually coming to a pawpaw tree to eat. So I, I've seen him eat that w- w- with my own eyeballs, so I know they do it. <laughs> Yeah, I knew that this this lady that was showing us there, she was eating them, and I was I was like, I've never even heard of it or knew what they were, but crazy what you can learn. And then um, I didn't even know, I didn't even think after I watched that video that that would be a tactic to to deer hunt, but it's, I'm sure it's a soft mass to them. Um, it's something they oh, can yeah. eat and and get in. So going into your perfect scenario for the Midwest, what would that be? Ooh, the, the, for for five through five through twelve. Yeah, let's go uh, with your Kansas buck. What's the perfect scenario for you that five through twelve for this Kansas buck you got? Okay, so he doesn't actually bed on the property that, that I hunt on. Um, he, he beds on a neighbor that I don't think the neighbor allows any hunting. I'm actually going to explore that a little more. Um, what's the old saying? I, I don't want to hunt every property. I just want to hunt the property next to mine. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm going to explore that a little bit. But a, a perfect storm, you know, again, I've got my camera set up. There are some beans out there. there you know, obviously there'll be some cut corn. If, if I had some cameras on there and he was coming out, of the neighbors there are a couple um field edges that, that i could hunt and 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 the the only way i would do it is if my ingress and egress were absolutely bulletproof like i could I, there's a creek i can drop into to get in and out and and they would because i would be so delicate so delicate and it would have to be like i got four afternoons in a row which you know pretty much i mean that's just probably not going to happen but you know several afternoons in a row of him coming out of this food source in, in a real pattern and then my ingress and egress would have to be bulletproof to get in there and i would i would only hunt it in the afternoons um 
I say that there, there's exceptions to every rule. Um, you know, if he was feeding way off and coming back into the neighbors and, and, you know, was tripping that camera going back in, you know, and, but again, I'm not going to, I'm going to be super, super cautious and, and not aggressive at all. And if that means going all the way to Kansas and, you know, having to sit in the truck for, for four or five days, you know, that's the discipline that it would take. So that, that would be, you know, be an unusual circumstance to get on. I, I don't see, and I'm sure you're the same. It does happen every year. Bucks get killed on opening day in Illinois, but you just don't see a lot of those big five, six, seven year old bucks hitting the ground. You know, the first two weeks of of, of October, you just, I, I just don't see it. Yeah, I haven't had. Um, we killed a buck opening evening last year. Um, that was an, an older class deer on public. But other than that, I haven't killed. I killed one on October seventh. That was a three-year-old deer. Um, but the older class deer, it takes that first cold front after October fifteenth to really get them like to where they're daylight at all. It seems like you got maybe a few days that, like you said, the first of the year there before the pressure comes, and then they just know that it's it's yep. uh, it's a no-fly zone in the daylight. Um, but there's people that get it done, like you said. But I like what you said there for this time frame. If you are, if you do think that you have a setup where you can kill a deer, you got to make sure that that access is perfect to get in and get out. Um, and if you're hunting <laughs> on a field edge, that's kind of a, a hard thing to do. The exit, you know, when the, the deer are going to be in the field, you got to walk by the field to get out. Um, so that is something yeah. that you really need to think about at this time of year. Yeah, have a farmer bump for you, have a buddy bump for you with a truck. But again, it, it would have to be one and done, automatic, because you're about to screw up something that can be really, really good in just 14 days. Yeah, I know. You know, so it's just, it would have to be absolutely slam dunk perfect because you go in there and, and you know, he's coming out and you blow out three or four does or whatever. And, and then man, man, the game changes uh, on those older age class deer. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I was actually watching Bill Winky. He started, uh, you know, producing content again. And uh, he had this topic where he was using an RC car to clear the field before he was getting down. <laughs> and I'm Genius. like, I'm like, all the big buck killers that've been doing it forever got some tactic that I don't tell anybody. Bill Winky is taking out a power RC car out there and scaring deer <laughs> off the field. <laughs> it probably had like a coyote mount on yeah, top. Of yeah, it. It was, yeah, it was just a car he was like driving at the deer and it was it was scaring him. But I was like, this is something you've never seen, never heard of, but uh that's what you gotta this time of year especially you gotta be foolproof and I guess that's one way to do it. I'm like, I'm gonna have to put some batteries in the kids shark RC yeah. car. <laughs> Get it out not. there. <laughs> Chase them around with a drone and yeah. run them out the field. Yeah, something. But uh, getting into some fun would-you-rathers. Um, this first one I stole from my buddies at Last Breath. Um, kill your target buck this year. So say you're going to kill your Kansas buck. Or I write you a $20,000 check right now this year and you can't hunt at all. What are you going to do? I, I, think, I think we all know the answer to that. <laughs> yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. For a guy like me, I'm like, as long as my wife didn't know about the $20,000 check, <laughs> I'm like, you can't yeah. tell anybody. 
but I'm hunting. <laughs> right, yeah, but me, me too. Yeah, 100%. No questions asked. I mean, we, we could add some zeros to that 20, and it's still, I mean, it just, you know, for guys like us, man, it's what we live for. And and money is money is definitely important. But, man, it, it just, yeah, to kill those world-class deer, you can't put a price on that in my no, mind. No, for sure, for sure. So going on to the second one here. Um, kill two bucks in South Carolina or one buck from the Midwest. One buck from the Midwest. I am addicted to large antlers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, this, <laughs> I uh, I almost went down to uh, to South Carolina this year for the rifle season. Um, Last breath was gonna, you know, take or send me to an outfitter down there just to get some content. And a lot of those guys are they're big deer hunters. I consider myself a big deer hunter, but I also like to kill deer. So I was like, well, that'd be a great, you know, a great time. Go down there, experience something I never had done. Um, but I started coaching my kids, uh, football team and it was a conflict on time on the weekends and stuff. So wasn't able to make it happen, but, uh, I was kind of excited to go down there and hunt that rifle season. Cause it seems kind of radical that you can hunt that early with a rifle. Oh yeah. And, well, you can uh, yeah. Velvet hunt with the rifle yeah Absolutely. that's what i was going to go down yeah. there for was velvet hunt rifle baiting i'm like this just seems radical to me you know and um but like like they're saying 115 inch deer is a big deer but i would have been happy to, to pull the trigger on a velvet buck just to like i said just to get the experience but conflict with the kids football team i wasn't able to to make it happen but uh i would i would take one big midwestern buck two over to South Carolina deer. <laughs> no, 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 no question about it. They're fun to hunt. And I love my home state and, and, uh, have, have, have cut my teeth here and learned a ton about deer hunting here. Um, and, and but, but still, you know, a, a big Illinois, Kansas, you know, th- those uh, just, wow. That's just a whole, you know, a 280, 300 pound. Woo. Yeah. That just, I'm getting fired up, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one here. And then we'll get back in the content. Um, I'm going to switch it up from what I sent you because I, I'm going to make it harder here. Uh, one okay. one big piece of property that you own or five small pieces of property that you have permission on. So it's it, it's funny that, that this is one of the questions because Don Higgins and I were talking about this yesterday morning, the exact same thing. Um, I, I have... I have gone 50 different ways on this back and forth, back and forth, own a big property, um, you know, manage the heck out of it, uh, own no properties and have permission spots or leases. And I, I tell you, man, I am graduating towards the own absolutely nothing, um, lease, absolutely nothing, put all of my, efforts and resources into trying to locate a really world-class buck one one a year and and then trying to get permission to hunt him um i, I think if that you, you you still have to go back to yeah i'm, I'm sorry i'm being long-winded here oh no that's I, that's perfect yeah go ahead. You, you have to you have to go back to what your goals are um, you know, and, and I, I'm just, you know, my personal goals are to kill world-class, you know, world-class deer, you know, something over 170 typical, something, you know, 190 ish, non-typical, you know, that that's, that's kind of, and, and those deer are, are pretty 
few and far between. And, you know, if you put all your eggs into one basket, you know, you own a four or 500 acre farm in Illinois, you get EHD, you don't have one on there that year, you uh, a horrible neighbor moves in, whatever it may be, you can't be nimble. Uh, the, the other approach, having five, six, seven, eight different spots you want to go, you know, you could you could have something going, a, a resource in Ohio, in, in western Kentucky, in Illinois, in Iowa, in Missouri. You know, you, you could cover a, a lot of different ground trying to locate a, a giant buck. And uh, to me, that, that tends uh, that tends to be the way that, that, that I'm leaning. Um, I do own a very small farm or half of a very small farm in Kansas with a buddy. Um, that's the only property that I own. Everything else is, is, is leases and, and permission spots. Um, so, so yeah, I would, I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, I would own a, a 400 acre farm that was, that was, you know, managed to the hill, uh, but then also try and have permission spots as well. But the question was one or the other, and I would definitely go with the lease or permission spots over owning one big farm. I like that a lot. Um, I almost bought a small piece here. Um, I actually put an offer in on one and they, uh, denied it. And then I was going to buy a second one. And I ended up doing a, I had a, another baby girl, my fourth kid. So instead Good of, for you. I, yeah, number four. So I put a home edition on instead of, uh, buying the, buying the piece of property. Now you do know how that happens. How those yeah, kids yeah, come I'm, off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I just went to a doctor's appointment to fix it. He finally told me what I got to do to, to make it not happen. <laughs> I'm going to, he said, so when do you want to schedule? I'm like, okay, anytime after November, I'm, yes. I'm good. And he's like, why is that? I'm like, you're going to laugh at me, but, um, you know, I'll be, I won't be done deer hunting, but like the hardcore stuff will be kind of slowing down. Right. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. He, you could tell he'd never hunted anything in his whole entire <laughs> life, you know, doctor. And I'm like, uh, he's like, oh, is it work related? I'm like, no, it's, it's, that's just when I, I'm done hunting, you know, not done hunting, but I'm done going, you know, 14, 15 days straight November there right. and then gun season. And I said, I got to have all my parts for that. I got to be fresh in the game, ready to go. <laughs> Yes, sir. Right. So, Absolutely. but yeah, I, uh, I like that. Man. And, and I actually picked up, um, I asked this guy for eight years if I could hunt his piece and, uh, he finally let me hunt it this year. Um, so, and it's gigantic and it's so crazy to have a piece. You just open up a piece and it's like, he has like five or six different little properties all spread out in different areas and I can hunt them all. And just awesome. the amount of different bucks that you have to, to find and hunt and um, the joy of figuring out a piece of property is I think why I like deer hunting the most. So if I owned a piece, you would eventually figure that property out to a T of, okay, this is how I'm going to kill this buck or this is how I'm going to hunt this property. So I don't spook this buck. And it would kind of get, it would be fun hunting the deer, but it would kind of get routine. It's like it, Bill it, Winky. It, he yeah. said that he killed eight or 10 bucks out of the same food plot out of the same blind you know, over the years. And, um, it just, that just would be, it would be fun, but it wouldn't be like, okay, I got this new lease in Kansas. I got to figure it out. Or I got this new property in Illinois. Here we go. We got to figure it out. And, um, the chance of a giant deer, um, being on your property that you're growing, it's doable. Um, if you, like you said, if you have the right neighbors, but the chance of you finding one with, you know, 15 different properties, that's, that's way higher. Yeah. I mean, it, it, without a doubt. And, and, and I think, Guys that are obsessed with big, giant, mature deer, they, they, they are dedicated to the process. 
um, you know, the process of finding them, finding the properties, getting permission, you know, figuring them out. And, and again, you know, reiterating what you're saying, not getting bored necessarily, but, but it loses some of the luster if you're, you're just repeating the same thing over and over and over again on the same property, mm-hmm. you know, the, the process, I mean, I, it is universal. You, you talk to any of the really big buck killers the, they love the process as much as they love, you know, pulling their release back and, and sending an era. Um, you know, I, it's universal, man. All the guys that get it done year in and year out, they are addicted to the process. I agree 100%. So getting back into the content here, let's go back down to South Carolina. Um, what is your opinion on morning hunts October 5th? through the 12th. And if you do hunt any mornings, what's it take to get you out there? Yeah, I've, I've got, I'm a, I'm a huge afternoon guy until probably right after the 15th of, of October, um, here, but, but I do have two spots that, um, one of them is a little 40 acre in town spot. I have permission to hunt on and it it is ideal for mornings. And it's just a little funnel that comes out of some ag up into some, you know, some city deer type thing. And, you know, it is it is set up for a morning spot, regardless of when it is, um, because it's a place that drops down. You're up on a hill and it drops way down into a swamp and the thermals in the afternoons when it starts to cool off will drop right back in to where the deer are coming from. So it's really a morning only spot. And, and so, yes, I would hunt that spot in the mornings and it's got really, really good um, ingress and egress. You can, I come in out of a neighborhood right into the stand and I come right back out and, and they never knew I was there. So, so that's a spot that would be mornings. And, you know, I've got obviously got cameras in there. I've got text cameras in there. And, you know, as soon as some deer start daylighting through there in the mornings, I'll get in there and hunt, you, you know, and, and I expect that to happen, you know, in that fifth through the tw- 12th time frame. Um, you know, I've got permission on some, some bigger properties and most all of that during um, because the, the getting in and getting out is not as easy. It's not as bulletproof. And, and most of those uh, places, um, you know, that, that's going to be afternoons only. Um, but j- just because the mornings, you know, most of the deer are already back to bed. And, you know, I, I just don't want to burn it up too early. I agree. Um, going to the Midwest, um, that time frame in the morning, I'm sure it's kind of some of the same thing. It's uh, like for me, it's depending on access. If you think you can get in there and get out, and you got something that's telling you to get in there, get in there. But uh, what what's your opinion there? Yeah, I, I, I second that 100%. I mean, it would have to be an extremely rare, super unusual event for, for me to hunt. You know, really any any part of of early October in the mornings, um, just because I know I'm you know, 14, 15 days away from it getting really, really good. Uh, so it, it would, it would have to be something very, I, I won't say never, but 99.9% of the time afternoons only. All right. Getting to the last topic. And my favorite one, um, is if you could tell someone one thing that's in South Carolina or in that area, that you think could help them improve uh, their their success during this time, what what would that be? 
really the 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 main thing that I would tell guys is we have such a I was talking to a guy this morning that that hunts near me um, that he's like, man, I, I want you to come to my property. You know, I'm seeing your your post and, and some of your trail camera pictures. I'm just right down the river from you. I, I don't get it. You know, and, and it it's the mentality of most of the guys in South Carolina. It's a food plot. It's a tower stand. It's a corn feeder. And it's just go hunt when I can. Um, what, what my, my, and the deer, especially the mature bucks, they know that, and they're either going to avoid those food plots and feeders, or they're going to hit them at night, you know, when you can't hunt. So what I would tell guys to do is, is when the season is over, go find those pinch points. They're there, the edges of the cutovers and the hardwoods, the, the creek crossings, the bows, like I talked about earlier in the river that force them a certain way. Um, those pinch points are absolute money. And then during the, the October 5th through the 12th, October 5th through the, through the 15th, go in, go into those spots where those funnels are, and they're going to be scrapes on one side or the other and either make some mock scrapes, open up some, um, open up some, some scrapes, some older scrapes, get them started, get some cameras in there. And, and figure out your ingress and egress, which is, we, we talk about that all the time, but that, that as you know, and it, you know, a lot of guys listening know that's one of the most important things, but that, that would be my thing is that guys don't think they're pinches and funnels in our, in our big woods. And there are, there, there really are, but you have to, you have to go find them in January and February. And, and then you've just completely changed the game and elevated and, and your success is going to go through the roof because, because people don't do it. They just don't do it because it's corn piles, tower stands, and 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 food plots, and and that's how ninety nine percent of the people here hunt. Yeah, I think it's that's how I have a lot of friends that hunt the south that I'm in a Snapchat group, and that's kind of the way they hunt and how they go about things. But I I think since you've been to the Midwest and you've been to the non bait states and you've seen how those pinches can work, I think maybe. That's why you're so dead set. I'm like, hey, man, this can still work here. There's still deer. Um, and down there, it probably works even better because no one else is doing it besides you, you know? Man, I have, I have, it, it was, it, it's so funny. I, I wish I had a documentary on a hunt club that I joined. It's 12 members, all rifle hunters. I'm the lonely bow hunter. And, and, um, you know, when I got there, you know, they showed me the 22 tower stands and food plots that everybody hunted. And, and I was looking at the map and there was a cutover um, with a creek that kind of ran through the cutover. And here for erosion, we can't cut the hardwoods or the trees within, you know, that has to be like a 50 yard gap on each side of any creek. And so I'm looking at this T-junction running through this cutover and I was like, does anybody, you know, what, what's the, what's the rules in like these cutovers? They said, oh no, you, you're welcome to hunt all that. And man, it was like a kid in a candy store. I, I walked in there. And there were scrapes and rubs up and down that that T junction through that cutover. And the first three years I was a member of that club, I, I killed a buck every single year in that T junction of that cutover. Um, you know, coming in on morning hunts, but it was you know after like October fifteenth, and it, it was just unbelievable. They'd never been hunted, and they they come through there so relaxed, not a care in the world. You know, n never had a clue I was in the world. So it, it was. It was just something else. And, and, you know, 
that, I guess that would be the, the advice is to, is to get off the food plots, get off the corn piles and, and you can kind of be amazed at what you can find in just a natural deer setting. All right. So getting to the Midwest, if you could tell um, them one, something that you think they could benefit uh, their success this time of year, um, what would it be? The, the October 5th through the 12th time frame. Yep. Uh, don't hunt, stay out of there. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was kind of thinking. Like if you go yeah. in there, um, burn up some public somewhere or something, don't hunt your yeah. good stuff right now. Yeah, man. If you, if you've got a niching to go, I, I don't know what the rules are on does and that sort of thing, but if you've got a, a itch to go open a day, yeah, man, go, go, go grab some, some public, go, go to some spot that you can get permission on to shoot a doe. Um, you know, get that bug out of your system, but man, stay away from your, your money spots and, and just be disciplined. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming on um, and uh, spending some time with us tonight. Like I said, huge respect for what you've done um, for the industry and for all the content that you created through the years. It's definitely made me a bit better hunter. I followed you for a long time and I appreciate you coming on the show. Man, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And let's do it again soon. And, and, and good luck to you on your big deer. I hope you get him. And uh, I'm expecting a picture as soon as you knock him down. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe Miles. Always a good guest to have on. Super successful whitetail hunter. Um, like I said, this is a little different episode hitting South Carolina and hitting the Midwest. Um, he said, don't burn those spots up. And I agree, unless we got a cold front like we got coming. If you got a buck that's close and you don't mind throwing something at him, maybe burn him for a little bit. But uh, definitely could kill him here in, in early October. Um, so don't miss this cold front coming up. But if it heats up, you know, Take your time on those spots. Make sure you got good exit routes and uh, don't burn those spots early when you could kill there later. Um, like always, uh, we love you. Appreciate tuning in all the way to the end. If you would leave a review, if you haven't, that would be awesome on iTunes or Spotify. Leave a review. Let me know what you think of the show. Um, always do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out until we're coming in your ear holes next Wednesday with the next episode of the Next 7 Day Series. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky. Through the Blackwater bayous, and in the dark Louisiana night, floats a duck camp, alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.